Money, money, money. Most British people don't much like talking about money. It isn't seemly, it's a personal matter, it's nosy to ask. Actually, money and wealth is a striking theme of Luke's Gospel. That being the case, British or otherwise, it seems to me that money must be something that we become more comfortable discussing. If the Bible speaks of it, then so should God's people. Money is relative, of course. Having lived in one of the poorest parts of the world and also the most affluent, I've learned that it's no guarantee of health for the human heart and soul. In and of itself, money is neutral. The Bible teaches that it's actually our attachment to money that can cause the problem. The widow in Luke chapter 21 is free to give, and she does so, more than would be expected of her. Just one copper coin would have sufficed in her circumstances, but she pops her two little copper coins in the treasury. It was a place in which the giving was extremely visible. She enters the court of the women in which there would have been large receptacles to post your offering, a bit like one of those display cases when you walk into a museum or cathedral and see notes and coins mounted up inside. People would have been able to see who was giving what, and here Jesus has positioned himself in a place where he can see it all. Jesus can see the rich people making a donation in a very public way, and then the widow coming to make hers. This was not the awkward passing of the offertory bag around the church pews. Jesus has just spoken about the showy behaviour of the religious types. He's spoken out against their love of status, their flowing robes, something that us clergy often hear as a warning bell at the back of our minds, especially in processions at big services. By contrast, this widow represents the vulnerable, those who under the protection of the law was meant to receive support and help from those in religious authority, but instead, quietly, she comes to make her gift, poor and dependent as she was. One of the things that I've noticed during this time of coronavirus is the generosity of ordinary people. Whether in our neighbourhood, where people have shared homegrown produce or freshly laid eggs, or just given time to one another while out on a walk for daily exercise. Though not to diminish the suffering that's also happened on a global scale, there are also the voices saying, can't we keep some of this for afterwards? Can't we stay like this in the new era? I don't really want to go back to the way life was before. What we give is often an indication of our priorities. It's often said that our chequebook or online bank statement these days is a good way to test the temperature of the heart. What we spend our money on is a good indication of where we place most value. In these days of lockdown, many of us have noticed a real change in our spending habits. Without the chance to buy and spend on the things we would normally do, especially in relation to our leisure time. Churches are having to think through how to maintain that level of generosity as part of our regular life as disciples, when we aren't meeting in our usual way, and perhaps most importantly, 
There are causes and people who need help and support financially that we might not usually have been aware of or wouldn't normally need our help and support. The striking thing about this short passage is the contrast between the rich people and the poor widow. Much has been written about the nature and amount of the widow's gift. In fact, it isn't so much that she gives everything. For me, it's about the fact that the one who really should be in receipt of a gift, quietly and without show, makes a gift of her own. Her behaviour is both surprising and provocative. We will all have faced our own challenges recently. But what if God is challenging us to ask questions and to act in ways that are provocative, even prophetic, pointing us towards a different future? One of the things that's been exercising many of us, and I think especially those of us who are in privileged positions in terms of education, opportunity, wealth and power, is to think about what real Christian generosity is going to look like as individual Christians and church leaders and also as congregations and Christian communities. So a few questions to finish. The first question that arises for me today out of the scripture is who gets to contribute? Who gets to contribute? The widow is quietly playing her part. Her presence is unexpected and her action provocative. One of the challenges facing the church right now is how those who have not been able to add their voice and contribute their gift are able to do so? Are we looking around to see where the gaps are, with humility and openness even if the answers challenge us? In some areas that might mean we have to position ourselves differently to make room for others. We may need to sit in a different position or place, literally or metaphorically, to put ourselves in a place where we can notice the things that God wants us to see. Second, how will we receive the gifts of all? Receive from those who need our help and support, not in ways that are showy or demonstrate a love of status, but in a way that fits with our core vocation as children of God, to set captives free, bind up broken hearts and bring liberation for the oppressed. We need the gifts of all God's people, if we really, truly want to embrace his mission. And thirdly, what might our prophetic act be by way of response? Living as we do in a time when the stark contrast between the rich and the poor, the privileged and the disadvantaged is more exposed than ever, perhaps the invitation is to consider how is God calling us to set aside our expectations around who deserves what, that we may be able to give and receive in a way that honours him and reflects the kingdom of God where the meek, the bent low ones are the strong and those who mourn are actually the blessed. Our generosity is important, not because the gift in itself is in the focus. Notice Jesus doesn't say, what a great gift, look at the two coins she gave. 
Instead, he draws attention to the contrast between the gifts. So how will we be different in the future? Throughout this month and the Generous June campaign, we're being invited to reflect and respond. What will our generous giving look like? Will it be more about more than material things or even money? Who will we give to and who will we receive from? So three questions. First, who gets to give in the communities of which we are a part? Second, how can we receive the gifts of all? And third, what prophetic act might God be calling us to make or to notice that challenges both us and the unjust structures around us today? Let us pray. Loving God, we see your image generously reflected in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we receive the gift of your generous Spirit within us. Help us to reflect your fullness of life, generous in thought and word and deed, in this and all our days. Amen.